Okay. Okay, good morning, gentlemen. So, today's daf is uh, Nun Vav uh, 56a, uh, but we're going to go all the way back to um, 55a. It's, uh, three dots, it's uh, two dots from the bottom, just to get the flow of the question. It's not a hard question, but we have to jump into the middle of a totally different sugya to see what's going on. And that's what they call the sugya has to do with Breiro, which is a really complicated uh, question, selectivity, uh, that comes up in several places. We actually had it before, going back to uh, Shabbos and Erevin. But uh, let's begin. Uh, the only thing that's different is, instead of starting from Argamora, which is the, where, where, whether they had one thing of uh, stand for the blood or two things, it's going to start from the Gemara over there and then come back to our Gemara, which is just, uh, usually you'd start from our, we'll see the way the Gemara flows. So, Tanan Hasam, uh, that's where the Gemara begins. We learned over there, and uh, the, the question right now is, is it enough to have two separate labels, and can we assume if you label something with a label, people won't get it mixed up. Is that the best method? So the issue uh, really was over here with the blood of the cow and the blood of the goat. You don't want to mix them up. Uh, that would really, uh, you would not end up doing the service right. And so the, we have a foolproof method is instead of having two, which would, uh, if you only have one, it's impossible to mix them up because you're holding one. And in order to put it down, you need to pick up the other one. So the question, though, was, why, didn't, why was that necessary? Why couldn't they just have two separate signs? So initially, the Gemara is assuming that we don't seem to like the sign method. The sign method, uh, Rabbi Huda seems to say, yeah, you'll get it mixed up. That, that'll never work. I pointed out to you that in Kashras, we always run into that. Like, you know, like, let's say you have a buffet on Shabbos, and you, want, you have to mark the herring fish, because you got chalant, which is meat, and you got... Herring, it's just fish, and you're not supposed to mix fish. And so there'll be, you know, the question is, is that sufficient? Uh, does somebody, do people read signs? Um, is it enough to have, or when you're in the supermarket and then you have the chovisrael and the non-chovisrael and the non-kosher, is somebody going to read the sign? Is that, is that sufficient or nobody reads the sign? You know, or, or there'll be people that just don't, they're in a rush, they grab it, and they didn't notice that the sign said, you know, X, Y, Z, this needs... Um, they had a real big tumult recently, the OU in Florida, because they had a kosher meat market that was selling liver, and liver is much is a little cheaper than other meats, and they people were buying liver and they didn't realize that liver isn't kashered, and they said, well, what do you mean it's not kashered? It has the OU on it, <laughs> and so because uh, you know they're they're in a rush, they're on they're on vacation. And then somebody realized, when you're on vacation, you don't have a separate liver grill to cut your liver and remove the... That's the last thing you would want to do. And so the OU stopped selling raw liver in Florida because of that, because they realized that the, the younger generation just... What do you mean? It's in the kosher market. It has the OU on it. It looks like a piece of meat. So yeah, it says needs broiling. Who reads that sign? And what does it mean, needs broiling, right? And so they, uh, that's what the OU did, is they no longer allow raw liver to be... Um, uh, you know, unless the uh, to be sold that way, um, but at any rate, uh, that's the question: Can you rely on a sign? Can you assume that that's enough to have a sign? So uh, let's look at this other Gemara in the Beis Hamikdash. They had various pushkas. How would you uh, for various funds? And it's very important that you know which fund you're taking the money from. 
And how would you know one from the other? Typically, there'd be a sign on the fund. So, uh, Tanan Hassan, we learned over there, Lohayu Shof is the Kine Chova. There, there was a certain very sensitive type of offering that they didn't rely on a sign because they were afraid that if it, uh, people would put it in the wrong pushka, and those were birds that were for obligatory offerings that would be burnt, uh, the bird offerings. So, Mibnea Teruvas. So, it, it sounds like we don't, and what they would do is you'd have to give it to a live Kohen. You couldn't just drop it in the pushka and run. You actually have to give it to the Kohen and tell him what it's for, because uh, otherwise they'll get it mixed up. That's what it seems to say over there. So, uh, my Teruvas, what does that mean? They'll mix up the volunteer ones with the obligatory ones, and those are two different kinds of korbanis. What's the big deal? Make two separate pushkas, and and then you don't have to pay for the coin to stand there and keep records. You know, it's just like have it automated. Just have two separate pushkas, and, uh, and that'll keep it separate. The answer is, Reb Yehuda, as we turn the page, less like Siva. Reb Yehuda seems to say that won't work. We, we don't rely on that just to have two separate boxes with two separate sets of instructions. What's the proof? Now we get finally back to Yuma, at the top of, the, of yesterday's page. They only had one stand for the blood, for the goat. Uh, Trey, my time alone, why wouldn't they just make two separate stands? It, it must be Mishum de Miklavi, because you'll get it mixed up. So more so, well, why would you get it mixed up? And never tray, just have two separate stands. Right on one, this is the goat stand, the goat blood stand, and this is the cow blood stand. Clearly, Rabbi Yehuda doesn't seem to rely on written instructions. That's the initial assumption over here. We're going to question whether that's always true or not. Uh, but that's, the, that's where we're coming from. Uh, does Rabbi Yehuda rely on, is it enough to have a little sign? And apparently over here, it's not enough, and that's why he sticks with the one stand over the two. There's a question from the following. What do you mean that we don't rely on signs uh, to know what's what? There were 13 different pushkas. And again, they were called shofars because it just means they were narrow on the top and wide on the bottom. That, that, that you, they use the word chauffeur for something that's shaped like that. It's shaped like a, they, there's a tube that they call the chauffeur. You know, a chaufferist is a, you know, is, is, is like a straw with a, with a deep or wide on one side, and it's, it, that's just the, the Hebrew language. So uh, there were 13 chauffeurs in the base of Migdash. Baha'i Kosovo Leyem, and uh, this is a, a review of Mesekta Shkalim. So uh, uh, there in Shkalim, it was very important to have last year's funds and this year's funds separate. Tiklin Chaditin, the new funds, the new Shkala, Tiklin Atikin, and the old Shkala. Vikinim, uh, and you got the bird offerings. The Gozle Ola, and you have the burnt offerings. Ve'etzim, and you have the wood. And we were talking about that. Wood is a big expense. Yeah, every day you had to burn wood, so somebody had to pay for that. So you needed a, a pushka to support the wood. Ve'levona, and the frankincense, ve'zav, the kaporis. And you had the gold for the cover of the yard. Ve'shishim l'nedava. And uh, we mentioned that they had six pushkas, uh, these were called, uh, these were um, volunteer offerings. Uh, when the, it was a slow day in the Beis Hamikdash, you always wanted there to be some service, uh, some avoda. So they had a special fund to keep the Mizbeach busy if there were no offerings. And, the, um, and uh, six, they had six different ones. So it was, 
we mentioned earlier they, there were six different uh, groups of Kohanim there. And so each family of Kohanim had their own pushka for their day. So Tiklim Chadatin, what's in the new box? Eilish Gom Shakoshan, that's the yearly offerings. Tiklin Atikin, the old ones, Mishlo, Shakalashdakat, Yishkolashan Abba. The uh, if you didn't take last year's, you could go for the next year's. Uh, Kinim, what are they? Torim, those are the turtle doves. Goes uh, or the pigeons, I guess. Gozle Ola Halen Binayona. Uh, these uh, each one Vikulan Olas, and these are all burnt offerings. Everything that was in the pushka was a burnt offering. So um, the question here is that here you see Rabbi Yehuda seems to accept a signage. He, he accepts a signage over there. So, um, so does he accept signage or not? And uh, if you do accept some signs, why don't you accept signs for the obligatory birds? So, uh, so right now the puzzle is, does he sometimes accept signs and sometimes not? What is, what's the deal over here? That's really the question. That's where the Gemara wants to know right now, that if Rabbi Yehuda does hold of signage, and apparently he does, why doesn't he uh, make a separate pushka for the bird offerings over there? And then we'll get back to why over here we don't. So, Kiyasu Rivdimi, Rivdimi said over there, there's another issue there. There's a different problem uh, with putting everything in the pushka. And that is, Kiyasu, uh, putting obligatory, uh, there's donations you could always put in the pushka because you could use them whenever you want. There's no, there's no problem if the owner passes away or it's, it's a, the offering itself there's no strings attached. It's just a, like a, a good free will offering, the do, donation. Oh, okay. Is that the word? Okay. Yeah, the fundraising people love that, right? That's right. It's a, whereas sometimes, general fund, right? Sometimes you get money, it has to be used for it's. it's, it's uh, so uh, if a person uh, did a sin and he dedicated an offering for that sin, so it's a very specific offering to get that sin atoned. And if the owner dies, um, that offering can't be brought because uh, that's uh, the, 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 the person can only offerings can only affect things when a person's alive. At, at, but when a person after a person passes, you can't bring an offering for him. So uh, there's and actually, if it's a live cow, you have to put it to death. That was like one of the halachas Moshe Misinai. Like we have, we're like totally stuck. Um, let's say. Uh, um, to some extent, it's like the uh, the, fi- the finality of death. Like there's like a, what? So he doesn't even need it, right? Right. That's of the owner, but the cow is just like kind of stuck, right? So, um, so uh, that's the reason why um, uh, that uh, over there we don't want the funds to get uh, mixed in the pushka, not because uh, we people won't follow signs. But if the fellow dies and it's mixed in, how are you going to unmix it? So then the Gemara says, well, why would we worry that somebody dies? Now, that might sound like a funny question because everybody dies at some point. But the question is, do you assume somebody died? So do you have to know uh, every time you bring an offering, do they have to do a check? Do they have to say, is this guy still around? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, me, Hashinin, are you afraid that somebody died? But Tanana, Shlecha doesn't mean to say, yo. Sometimes people would send offerings from all across the world, take months to get there. By the time they get the offering, he might not even be alive. But we don't worry about that. Uh, we have what we call a cheskas shuhukayim. We assume that people are still alive. We assume that uh, if the last that you heard the person was alive, you're allowed to assume the person is still alive. 
So uh, if that's true, uh, then why would we be worried all of a sudden that somebody died? So the Morris said, you're right. We wouldn't worry that somebody dies, but we have the obituaries. Mishum chato If you have the obituaries and uh, somebody did die, so then you got a problem. In other words, you're right. You don't have to assume somebody died. You, you would assume everybody's fine. But if you hear that somebody died and you know that they put money in the pushka to bring an offering, then you got a problem. So uh, that's why you had to keep those funds totally separate of each person in case somebody, you happen to pick up the obituary. Now, keep in mind, people, before they die, want to bring all their offerings. They don't want to go up there and say, oh, you, you were obligated to bring something. And so it's very common when a person's dying or that, oh, quick, they want to bring all their, you know, make sure they've um, paid back everybody they owe money and fulfilled all their obligations. And so the money gets to the base of me. It was just too late. The guy passed away overnight. So what do you do? So... Um, so therefore, you have to keep it separate so that they don't bring it after he dies. So then Gemara said, why is it such a big deal if he dies to pull the money out of the pushka? Can't you just pull out money? Isn't, isn't money, can't you pull out money and say this money was the money that he gave for the offering and then throw it in the Dead Sea? And this way, nobody will ever use it. And uh, this should solve all the problem." So, Vahanik Nishtairu, and the rest of the money is, is different money. So, why is there a big problem? Why did Rabbi Huda require uh, a separate system and not rely on the pushka? Because maybe you'll get the money mixed in from somebody that died. You should be allowed to select it out. The answer is Rabbi Huda Leslie Breira. So, there, it's really debatable whether we don't really know where his money is. In other words, all the money's mixed together. The question is can you pull out money? and say to Hashem that the money that we pull out should be his money. That's called selecting, so being borer. Uh, just like on Shabbos, when you pick out something, you're borer. Here also you're picking out his, his money, and can we turn it into his money? Does Hashem allow us to decide that the money we pull out is his? That's called borer. So Designating, no? Designating, yeah. So what does it mean if we can, if we get, don't say fair, then what do we have to do? So then you'll have the, the, the people would not put money in the pushko mixed with the other stuff. They have to wrap it in a bundle and give it to a Kohen, a live Kohen, and he keeps it separate. And then if in the next morning he sees the guy died, he, it doesn't, he doesn't pick it separate. It's, it's already uh, separately marked. It's already kept separate. Right, so what do we do to avoid that? Then you have to dump everything. Right, right. So, so that's why Rabbi Huda's solution is not to mix it. Yeah. So where else do you see this debate? Minole, where else do you see that Rabbi Huda doesn't... That's a, what, that a concept that you're allowed to select, we actually find in other places in Aloha. So maybe it's from the following. So um, this is a, an interesting case. Uh, you have to... Uh, before you drink, uh, you use produce in Eretz Yisrael, you have to tithe. You have to take trumas and maestras. And, and when it's all mixed together, that's called teva. That's a forbidden mixture. Now... Um, if, uh, what if there's not enough, in the ideal world, you have time to tithe, you take and you give for the Kohen, then you give for the Levi, and then you give for the poor man, and then you can use the rest, right? That's, that's the ideal world. But what happens if you don't have separate containers to give those people? It's Erev Shabbos. You just bought a, a nice, big, good barrel of wine, a good jug of wine, and, uh, and it's going to be Shabbos soon. You want to make Kiddush. 
but you don't have a way to separate the wine to give to the Kohen and the Levi and the Israel. So the question is, can you leave over a little bit at the bottom after for the whole Shabbos and say the wine that you'll be drinking the whole Shabbos will be the wine that's not from the Kohen wine and the Levi wine and the Meiser Ani wine. Can you say selectively that the wine that you're drinking is the good wine? Can we, can we separate in our minds halakhically? Uh, now, you might say, well, what do you mean separate? It's, the wine's all mixed together, but that's what Breira means, is that I, before Shabbos, I say, I know that I'm not going to drink the whole thing. What, I leave, what I'm going to leave over after Shabbos, that retroactively, we will say, that's the wine for the Kohen. And then I would be allowed to drink. So the question is, can you do this solution? So the, uh, the case was the fire. Now, why does it have to be you bought from Kusim? Kusim, um, we're going with the view. Uh, is, uh, there was a view that Kusim were not Jewish. But this more is going at the, at the time with that view that the Kusim were Jewish. They were considered Jews. The Kusim were converts. And there was a debate about whether the conversion was valid or not. So there are different opinions. So we're going in the view that it was valid. But even the view that it was valid, they certainly were ignorant. They didn't do everything. One of the things they didn't do was tithe. So you, the wine is kosher. See, if they weren't Jewish and they worshipped idols, like we found out later, there were different kusim that worshipped idols, you can't drink wine of idol worshippers. Could we have said the case by an Amonar, Amonar too, instead of the kusim? Yes, we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's, there is a difference there, because the Amoritz, the majority of the people do tithe. So it's, it's, the din is a little bit different. Here, you don't have that. Right. Yes, 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 yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah so it, it goes into that over there. There, there would be differences uh, with that. Uh, Tosus uh, brings uh, a little bit this discussion about the whole thing with the Kusim, if they are what they call Geri Arias, they are called lion converts. In other words, they accepted Judaism, not because they loved Hashem, not because they realized idols were false. They thought that their different lands have different gods. And when they first were moved to Eretz Yisrael, the lions were attacking. They were wild animals in the land because, as we had before, the land was fallow for 52 years. was uh, nobody there. And so there were wild animals in Eretz Yisrael. So when they brought the Kusim in, they were getting attacked by They said, oh, we better figure out how to worship the God over here. So... The question was, that's not really a reason to convert to Judaism. Did they really uh, discontinue worshiping idols and accept Hashem? So one view... The lions didn't attack the Yidin. What? The lions didn't attack the Yidin. The Yidin weren't there at the time. Oh, I see. Um, so um, the question was, once they converted, did it help? <laughs> In other words, they, 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 now that they converted, did the lions go away? Or, oh, I got my conversion certificate. <laughs> so, yeah. But that was what they thought. So... Uh, um, uh, but then Tetosis brings that, that's, they, are they Geri Arias or are they Geri Emes? Uh, 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 the word Arias is from Aryeh, from a lion. Okay, back to the mark. So, and that's important that it's Friday because you don't have time to separate it. Omed, you stand and you say, I fully plan on giving the Kohen, I'm going to give him to Luke. Those, right now, those are Truma. Now, the thing is, you're declaring a Truma now so you could drink the rest. But the, we don't know, you're not actually giving it to the Kohen now. You're leaving it over and saying retroactively, I want that to be Truma. Rebbe, it's, it's, it's the point of Rebbe, it's, it's not only are they not giving it over, but it's not even separated, not even physically separated. 
Correct. It's mixed yeah. in, right. It's mixed in, yeah. Asura, Meisterishan. One tenth, that's going to the lady. Tisha, Meistersheni. That's Meistersheni. That'll be taken up to Yushalayim. Umechal, and it works. Vishosamiyad, enjoy your drink. Divi Reb Meir. Reb Meir says, as we turn the page, that was a quick daf. <laughs> okay. Uh, he says you could go drink it. Reb Yehuda, Reb Yossi, Rushim, and they say no. We don't hold of this. This is not a good solution. Why not? Because they don't hold the selectivity. So, uh, here also, if you were to mix the donations of the different bird offerings and the owner were to die, there's no way to select it out. And um, uh, so they don't hold the, 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 per- the reason why really a sign would work. But the reason why they didn't do it by the bird offerings are because they don't hold the Brera. And we see over here, by the wine, they also don't hold the Brera. The Mara says, Mamai, how do you know that's the reason why? He, Rabbi Yehuda frowns on this practice over here. Maybe there's a whole different reason. What's that? Dilma Shani Hasa. Maybe it's totally different, Kedetani Taima, like it says the reason. There's a reason why we don't like to rely on Brera over there. Um, and what's the reason? Well, how do you know that the, uh, that wine at the end is going to be left? Maybe the barrel will break. And retroactively, he won't end up having dr- drunk, tithed drink, tithed wine. The whole idea was that it'll be left over, but sometimes the barrel will break. And if the barrel breaks... Um, the, uh, the whole idea was that afterwards there'll be this wine that'll be part of your tithe. But if the barrel breaks, the wine will seep out and you'll have never tithe. But you still would have drunk something untithed. The question is, what's your, what's your responsibility, though? Are you responsible to, can you allow that or not? Well, well, so maybe that's the answer. The opinion that argues says, well, let's worry about it if it happens. Omer lehem kishi yabaka. In other words, the issue is when it happens. That's right. Don't worry now. Don't worry now. That's right. Is that, is, that's, in other words, you don't have to worry that something will happen. It's, it's, uh, it could be halacha allows you to do something with the assumption that... that so it could be, it could be you would, but it's it could be that you're still obligated to take. It could be, be proactive. Yeah. Your what Rebbe is saying is, on a practical basis, the the wine which was consumed didn't have some hafrasha, even though maybe you're 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 not. You know, but still, you, you didn't have it done. Yeah. So, um, so this case that didn't serve our purposes. We wanted to know about selectivity, whether you could select, say the wine left over at the end was the uh, wine that you meant all along to be truma. And it turns out that it's a whole different issue over there. We're just worried about the wine spilling out. And so since it has, there's a different issue, that doesn't really help us. We, we, we need a direct case where the only issue was whether you can do braver or not. So the Gemara is going to try again. Ella, let's try the following. Um, this one is, if you all know the, the uh, old McDonald story, E-I-E-I-O, this is Rabbi I-O. Ella, Rabbi Ayo. That's the, uh, since uh, the teaching of Rabbi I-O. 
the Tani Ayo. That's the, the, the this doesn't sound like a name, but it is Ayo, Aleph Yud Vav. Yeriyo, Rabbi Ayo Iyo. Okay, what is the Rabbi Yudah Omar? Ain't on a Masnam, and this takes us back to Erevin. Uh, let's just review the rules for a minute. Uh, you're allowed to travel two thousand amas from where your food is Friday night. Uh, you're not supposed to travel too far on Shabbos. If you, if you have an Erev, so that's all one area. But if you don't have an Erev like in a city, you're allowed to travel uh, uh, up to 2,000 Amas from where you leave your food at, uh, at, at the Twilight Zone Friday night. Now, the problem here is you want to travel to hear a, a, rab, a speaker, a rabbi that's coming to town. And you don't know, you heard that he's coming to town. And uh, there's different shuls on different sides of town. And you want to be able to travel to see him, but you don't know which shul is he coming to or which way is he coming. You heard he's coming. Occasionally, they have you come to a town, you heard there's someone there, and you just don't know where he's going to be. So, and Shabbos is coming in quickly, so you don't know where to put your Erevs. So the question is, can you put two Erevin, one on each side of town, and uh, do them both, and you say, when I find out which shul he comes to, retroactively, that will be the one that I want to be my Erev. Can you do a prayer? And you set them both before Shabbos. We'll find out until after Shabbos. We'll find out Shabbos day. They'll say, oh, he's, in the, he's davening in that shul. So, uh, so Rabbi Yehuda over there doesn't like that arrangement. He says, you can't do two at the same time. If he's going to the east side of town, put your Erev on the east side of town. Lamarv, the west side, Ruba, Lamarv. You can't do two and say retroactively, he doesn't seem to hold of selectivity. And they ask the question, What's the reason if he comes in both places that you can't do it? To aim Reira because he doesn't hold of selectivity. Uh, even if you uh, to put one on the east or west also, uh, either, um, uh, even to put an Erev outside the city uh, to travel if he came there, um, that also, why should that help? You should, it should also be a problem of selectivity. But Omar, uh, Rev Yochanan said, the case was he's already in town. So you don't really need, um, it's not that on Shabbos, retroactively, it'll be an Erev. In other words, the, he, he's there, you just don't know now where he's at, so you put food on both sides. But, um, but at any rate, that's the debate over there. Reb Huda doesn't seem to hold of that. So you see from there... It said Reb Yochanan over there. Uh, Reb Yochanan Kshibar B'chachem. Yeah. I'm not sure of. I'm not sure of how that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but the bottom line is, we see from there that he didn't accept this kind of uh, selectivity retroactively. So here also, vahashta darmi lerebihuda embreira, and now it comes out like rebihuda uh, that we don't hold the selectivity, and that's the reason why you can't mix the coins in together in the pushka because you can't pull it out. So, but that, but really, you could write something Haksiva Islay. Uh, but he does accept. Uh, really, you could have two different sets of signs. But it, the problem there, the reason was that you can't. If somebody died, you wouldn't be able to select the money out. 
So, but if it's true that he basically, the signage is not the issue, uh, the issue is if somebody dies, they're being able to select it out. So if that's true, come, let's finally come back to our case. Yom Kippurim Nami Nebetrei. Why don't you just make two separate holders, Venikto Valayu, and uh, write on them both, write on one for the cow, cow blood, and write the other one, goat blood. Just cow and goat. So uh, why don't you, wouldn't that be the easier way to go? So the Gemara gives a new answer. Really, in the normal circumstances, when a person is healthy and has calm and has plenty of time, they will read the sign. But, Mishum Chushu the Koin Gado Lavadaite. Koin Gado was up all night. He's very weak. He's an elderly person. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got to go to the mikveh five times. He's got to change his clothes ten times. He's got to wash his hands uh, ten times. He's really a very busy fellow today. <laughs> and so, we, our, a person is very busy. They don't always read the signs. And he'll be alone. And he'll be alone, right. I was going to make a joke earlier that he just had to smell a lot of smoke and with the so therefore we didn't take any chances uh, people it's well people have a lot um, it's easy when you're very very busy to, to mix something up or to be in a rush and not read something and so therefore the importance of it was they didn't want to take any chances because if you're not going to say below uh, why do you even need to write something? Why don't you just use common sense? There's a lot more blood in a cow than there is in a goat. Hi, nafish, hi, zuter. One, why don't you just rely on the? Why do you even need a sign? Look at the. Look at which one has the most blood, and you'll know. Maybe the coin was in a hurry, and he didn't get all the cow blood. So there's maybe the same amount. Uh, in other words, uh, maybe maybe because he he just let a little bit of blood in, but you can't do that. You have to get all the lifeblood, so you're going to have a lot more lifeblood in a cow than you do a goat. So uh, why do you even need signs? Why are we worried about getting it mixed up? It's obvious one's going to be much heavier than the other. Why don't we also have different sized fleas? It seems like they didn't have that many, you know, they tried to keep the, the vessels simple. Yeah, I was wondering that also, you know, couldn't you? But maybe they just didn't, they, they, they just kept it simple. You Did know, they, they didn't get all the blood in one flea. I mean, maybe you need two, two maybe at 12. It had to be big enough for all of it, I imagine, yeah. Besides uh, that, that making different size kalim would be the same as marking one. You know, uh, uh, par and one because it's just this is a par Kaylee. I mean, this is a par Kaylee. This is a go Kaylee. So that would be the same thing as marking as marking them, I guess. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, now, Kite Morris says, well, it's true that there's usually one is much heavier than the other, but Dilma Mishtapik, that's the other thing. Maybe you, he spilled one. In other words, maybe this particular time. There was more cow blood, but some of it spilled. So maybe occasionally they'll both be the same size. So that's why we need to have uh, a solution to keep them from getting mixed up, because it's true. Most of the time you have more cow blood. But if you spilled it, then you'll have the same amount. But there's still a way to tell. The cow blood and goat blood looks different. One is whiter and one is redder. They're two different shades. 
So any, any decent coin gadol would, you know, in a normal circumstances could look and tell the difference. So Ella, what's the reason? It's because since he's weak, so he, he missed it. You see that uh, the, the reason that they didn't, uh, in general, when a person is weak and tired, it's, they, they might make the mistake, even though it, it is pretty clear that they're different. Now we get a story. So we, are we trying to prove now that it's that the Brera issue or the Ksiva issue at, the, at this point? Which, which are we trying to say that, that, that this wouldn't work? In other words... Yes, yeah, so we're done with the Brera issue. Uh, we're back to our uh, the, the Ksiva issue, and and we're saying that Rabbi Yehuda does accept Ksiva. So why are we? We're not here, right? That's right. So there was a person that led the davening that uh, went down in front of him. So they say that um, Beth Jacob, when they uh, redid the shul, they did the Shliach Sibur's area lower. If you ever go up there, they made it low. Because there's the idea that we try to daven to Hashem from humility. We don't, we don't say you owe us. <laughs> you know, we daven, we, we, we come from a low spot. And so, uh, but, so that's this expression, he went down in front of Rava. That, that's the ancient custom to have the, to daven from the low spot of the shul. To have that, that's a, so that this one, daven from the, this with the word nachis means he came down. So he came down in front of Rava. Omar, Yotzev, and he, now, so uh, what he did was, it was the Yom Kippur service, and he was, uh, well, th- this is our minig too, we actually read through what the Kain Gadol does on Yom Kippur as part of the Musaf of Yom Kippur. And he said, Yotzev, Nika al He goes out and he puts the blood on the second stand. Noto dama par, and he then takes the blood of the cow, v'niyak dama soyer, and uh, he puts the goat blood there. Excuse me. Uh, what are we saying on the second stand? We said there was only one stand over there. There were two opinions, whether there was one stand or two stands. Oh, this is the other shita. So he said to him, He's got them both mixed up. Now, by the way, it's fascinating that what the, which opinion the Maxorim follow. In other words, we have the Yom Kippur service in the Maxorim, and sometimes the Maxorim works out perfect with the Gemaras, and sometimes they don't. It's like a, the question is, who wrote them? You know, what, which opinion was the Maxorim file? And it depends on which Maxor or which... Uh, so the, this particular Chazan, he was reading it, and he says, you can't be like both opinions. Because uh, uh, basically, if you have two separate stands, you're not holding them at the same time. It's only when you have one stand that you have... So, maybe it means you're right. Let's read, if there's two stands, he puts down the goat blood and he takes the cow blood. So he corrected that particular chasm. Okay. But he's a man of Prochus, and then we said, you do the spritz. So there were spritzes inside in front of the Aaron, and now there's spritzes outside in front of the curtains. Don Rabbanan, our rabbis taught, Ken Yasel Olmoit. It says you'll do the same type of thing in the tent of the meeting, in, the, uh, in front of the sanctuary. My Talmud Lomar, what does it mean to teach you? Kashem Shemazilunaivnim, just like you did the one in seven spritz in and the inner sanctum in the Holy of Holies. Kach Mazel Behechal. There's another spritz done in the sanctuary. In the regular Kodesh area. In the regular Kodesh area. My and just like when you did the, the spritz in the Kodesh, Kodashim, Achasumala, one above and seven below, Midama Par. 
from the blood of the cow. You do the same kind of spritz in the sanctuary. And the same way when you were in the Kodah, and you also did that same one in seven from the goat blood, you do the same thing in the Hechel. So it's a, it's a parallel, a very similar ceremony was repeated. Yep. So you don't bring the cow blood all the way into the forest? You had. Now you brought it back out. Did you bring two bloods in? Yep, you did. Uh-huh. Well, let me just go. You had to make a separate trip in with one blood mm-hmm. and another trip yep. with the other mm-hmm. blood. That's right. And then... This is third trip. Uh, and then he's got to go back to fourth time to bring it to carry out the incense but, pan. But it's, it's probably it's the same plea, though, for the par, no? The but par and the sar. We, we don't have two separate tailings for... for the, the goat blood and the cow blood are two no, separate... No, no. Yeah, it's outside. Yeah. Outside. Yeah, same one. Yeah, that's right. Was he still holding it on the way out uh, before he paused? Um, or did he put it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did he have to put it down or could he still do what? So I think the question is the order. In other words, if he did the cow and the goat, and then on the way, he also has to do the same order, which comes first. But um, the Gemara quoted the earlier Pasuk. It finished off with just a final beautiful Pasuk. Hashokin item besotumas. And this is the, the Pasuk says um, that Hashem, the Shechina, is with us even if we're impure. So what does that mean? The Gemara says, Afil b'shashem temeyim. Even when Klau Yisrael is impure, Shkini Yamahem, the Shkini is still with him. Uh, the certain Sadducee said, He said, You Jews, God has rejected you. You are impure. Uh, because you're in Gullus and you're for sure impure being in the land of the Gentiles and impure. It says, Part of Gullus is that you're impure. So you guys forget it. God doesn't love you anymore. So He didn't read the Torah. Hashem is with us even when we're impure. So how do you translate the Bari 